I was thinking recently about a trip that I took a while back and I was meeting some friends and uh, we were going to a place and I wasn't exactly sure how to get there, but I was the one driving. And so we got in the car and maybe you've had this experience too. I got in the car, we got together and I, I told the guy that was in the front seat, like, look, man, I don't know where we're going. And, and so, you know, just kind of let me know uh, how to get there. And he said, okay, we will. So knowing this friend, he's, he kind of would start talking and then would get distracted and, and lose sight of what we were doing. And so we'd go down the road a little while we got on the freeway and as we were going down, we'd pass a couple eggs and I'd say, Hey man, are we still supposed to be going this way? And he said, yeah, keep going, keep going. And so we'd go down another couple uh, exits and I'd say, are we still you know, on the right path? And he'd say, yeah, yeah, just keep going. And I asked him that like five or six times and he eventually kind of got the hint because the silence kind of made me nervous. Like we were going to miss our exit. And so he would be talking, we were having a conversation and he would just say, keep going, keep going. And that actually helped my heart kind of uh, rest easy because I, I was then confident that he knew where we were going and that he hadn't forgotten that I was depending on him uh, for directions. And I think sometimes we need that. We just need someone to encourage us and to tell us to keep going. You know, when, when we want to quit, we just need somebody that will say, hey, just keep going. When, when things aren't going well, or maybe our plans didn't go the way that we would like them to go, we just need someone to come alongside, put their arm around us, and say, hey, look, keep going. You haven't failed in this. Or maybe we feel like we're not making a difference in our lives, or maybe we're not getting anywhere with our kids, or maybe you know, homeschooling our kids and being thrown into what we've been thrown into right now has just left us frustrated and feeling overwhelmed. We just need someone to tell us, hey, it's okay, keep going. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul does in Philippians chapter three. And we're gonna begin this week where we ended last week in Philippians chapter three. I want us to look like, uh, look at verse 14 at, at what Paul said to these believers. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I press on toward the goal for that prize of the upward call. And last week, as we studied that passage, I reminded you what Paul was saying in that verse was that at the end of our lives, there is a goal and there is a prize and there is a God. And that, that, that moment is Paul describes it as a, as an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, the Greek word, there's a Greek word I want to introduce you to. It's, it's the word bima. And that, that word bima is what would be used at, during Olympic games to be the place where the ruler would give out or the judge would give out the, the prizes or the accolades because of the game. And the reason I share that with you is because in Romans chapter 14, Paul wrote this in verse 10, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. When Paul wrote in verse 10 that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, that word for judgment seat is the word bima. And what Paul was using was that reference to the Olympic games where the judge would hand out rewards. And here's what I want you to know as a believer in Jesus Christ, that what Paul said in Philippians chapter three and verse 14 is true, that at the end of our lives, there is a goal and there is a prize and there is a God who is there waiting to honor us and to, and to reward us for the things that we have done for him. And as believers, this is certain that every one of us will give an account of our lives before God. So in light of this, I want you to notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. 
the main idea in verse 15 is that Paul is calling us to keep growing. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And I shared with you last week that the idea that we find in Scripture is this process of sanctification. It's a constant maturing to become more and more like Jesus. And what Paul is saying in these verses is to keep going, keep pressing on, keep going in this way. Let those of us who are mature, he says, think this way. Well, think about what? If you go back to verse 14, it's pressing on toward that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And in verse 16, he tells us to keep going. Paul is really kind of coming alongside of us and he's saying, press on toward the mark. And as a mature believer in Christ, as you're growing and continuing to become more like Christ, continue to press on and think this way. But have you ever felt this way in your Christian walk that you know that the Bible calls us to keep pressing on and keep making progress but it seems like, you know, for every step you take forward, there's like two steps or maybe three steps or four steps back. You ever felt that way? I mean, if that's you, maybe you could like this at this moment or maybe give us a, a love or maybe a care, just something to let us know like, yeah, that's me. I struggle with that. I, I feel like every step I take forward, sometimes I'm taking a few steps back. A couple of weeks ago, I was power washing our driveway, just one of my many coronavirus uh, uh, tasks that I've been uh, given. And there's this one spot on our sidewalk where the sidewalk goes down really pretty low. And so when it rains, the, the yard kind of naturally, drain, naturally drains to this area. So it, it gets pretty dirty. And so I had to spend a little bit extra time on that particular section uh, washing it off. And so I, I would go with the power washer, washer back and forth. But what I found is in the lowest part where the water would really accumulate, when I would spray another part of the sidewalk, the water would just amass there. And it got so frustrating because I felt like I wasn't making any progress. And then I kind of kind of figured out what the rhythm was with the power washer. And what I did was I started at the back and I began to wash it forward. And I determined that as I was washing things forward, I wasn't going to let any water recede or to come back into that low area. And that's the idea that I, I see in this. And that is that as we as believers, as we mature, Paul says in verse 16, that we shouldn't give up the areas that we have attained. Let, uh, attained. Let us hold true to what we have attained. In other words, as we've made progress in our walk with Christ, we should never go back. We should constantly be going forward, not giving up ground. I, I remember when I was at camp as a, as a youth that we would play tug of war with the other teams. And I remember you'd get on the tug of war rope and my mentality when I was playing tug of war was when, when they said go, I was going to turn and walk and pull with everything that I could. And I was determined that I was going to be going this way. And once I had taken a step, I wasn't going to give ground back. That I felt like once I'd taken that step, if I took a step back, I was going to be giving up ground to the enemy and, and potentially losing. And I think sometimes as a Christian, we need to have that same mentality that we shouldn't let go. We should hold true to what we have attained for all the progress that we're making as we're pressing on, as we're maturing. We must continue to grow and don't give up ground because you see growing faith means going forward. And I want you to remember that today. In fact, why don't you take a minute and write it in the comments so that we can say this as a confession together, but also so that we can remember it. Growing faith means going forward. Christians who are growing in their faith are not stepping back. They are taking what they've attained and the wisdom that they have and the maturity level that they've reached, and they're continuing to press on toward that upward call of God. They move forward. 
And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, but yeah, Robbie, I feel like I'm in that moment where I've stepped back. I want you to know there's good news for you. That even though, yeah, at times in our past, maybe we've, we've taken some steps back, but God is calling all of us today to move forward, to give up on our past, as Paul said uh, last week, to forget those things which are behind and press toward the mark of that upward call in Christ Jesus. And so today, if you have stepped back in your Christian walk, maybe you found a, a season in your life where you hadn't been going to church, you haven't been reading your Bible, you haven't been praying, your relationship with God seems dry. Today can be the day that you take a step in the right direction. And once you take that step in the right direction, determine in your heart with God's help that you're not going to step back, that you're going to continue to grow in your faith. And what Paul does in these next verses is, Paul gives us three helps that I want to share with you today to help us as we keep going forward. The first one is found in verse 17. Let's read it together. He says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So the first help Paul gives us is this. If you want to keep pressing on and, pre and moving forward, you need to find someone to follow in your Christian life. And I know that there seems to be kind of an inherent danger with that because yes, ultimately all of us are to follow Christ. But I want you to notice what Paul said in verse 17. He said, brothers, join in imitating me and then keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you've seen in us. I remember as a kid wanting to be so much like my dad. My dad was a fireman and just a great man, a very loving man. And I remember as a kid that Oftentimes I would watch him shave and so he would fill the sink up with hot water and put the hot water on his face and then I'd watch him put the, the shaving cream on and then I'd watch him shave. And I remember as a kid wanting to do that so badly, I wanted to shave like my dad. And I remember on one occasion that when my dad wasn't there, uh, he was at the fire station, I went in the, the bathroom, my mom wasn't watching and so I went in there and I uh, put some shaving cream on my face, I filled the sink up with hot water and put the hot water on my face and put some shaving cream on and then I took a toothbrush and used the toothbrush to shave my face because I wanted to be so much like my dad. I was imitating him and I think that's what we see as parents that oftentimes our children simply imitate us. One of the best stories about my mom and she's going to kill me for sharing this and I know that she's going to be watching today is what we called the great spaghetti disaster. My oldest two brothers were uh, at, the, at the dinner table and my mom was fixing uh, spaghetti and then something happened where she fell and the spaghetti came off the table and just all over the floor and let's just say in that moment of frustration she didn't pray or say praise to God uh, she used some words that she shouldn't use and she just kind of blurted them out and then my oldest brother who was a baby at the time blurted out the same word that she had just said and that day that moment still lives in infamy it's one of the the best stories but he was simply imitating what he had heard in my mom. And what Paul is saying in that verse to me is such a bold claim. Paul says to imitate me. He's calling believers to follow him. If you want to continue maturing and pressing on and having that right mindset, Paul says, well, imitate me. Imitate my life. It's such a sobering call, isn't it? That every believer should be looking for someone to follow. When I do marriage counseling for couples that wanna get married, I, uh, premarital counseling, I often tell them uh, at like the second or third lesson, here's your assignment for the week. 
I want you to find some couples who are farther along in marriage and who are happy in marriage. And I want you to sit down and interview them. I want you to talk to them about what they've been through and what's helped them get through life and what has brought them to this point where they're still in love after all these years of marriage. Because I think it's important for young couples to find other couples who are farther along in the journey to just ask for wisdom and ask for advice, some people that they can lean on for, for that instruction. John Maxwell in his book, The Five Levels of Leadership, he's, there's one chapter in the book that's dedicated to people development. And for any organization, he says, to be successful, you have to develop people. And John Maxwell says there's a five-step equipping process. He says this, step one is, is I do it. So as the leader, I do the job. Step two is you tell the person, I'm going to do it, and you come alongside with me. Step three is then you do it, and I'm with you. I watch you, and I observe. And then step four, I let you do it. That's the next step in their development. And then the fifth step is you do it, and someone else is with you. And he says that successful organizations are organizations that are doing just that. They're developing people where leaders are showing other people how to do their job and then releasing them to do the job themselves. And I believe that every Christian, regardless of your age and how long you've known Jesus and how long you've been following him, every Christian should be looking for someone to follow, someone who is farther along in the journey, someone who is more mature in the faith, someone who can be an example of Christian living and how to respond in life, someone who is willing to pour into you, into your life. Someone who is living out faith for you as an example. Someone who may not ever say the words, yes, you should imitate me. But the way that they live, it's so magnetic and it's so obvious that they're following Christ. That you would say, Lord, help me to have that godly example to follow. In fact, I, I believe every Christian should be looking for someone to follow. Do you have someone that you're following as a follower of Christ? Do you have someone who's setting the example for you? Maybe you'll share their name just as a, a praise that you have that. But I'd like us to all just write this prayer together in the comments. Lord, give me a godly example to follow. Give me someone who will live out their Christian life so that I can follow them. One of my mentors, one of the guys that I follow is a man named John Gross. He, he was a pastor for over 40 years, planted a church, just an amazing man, a very godly man, very loving. And to me, he is a great example of what it means to walk with Jesus. And every time I meet with John, in fact, I met with him just last week, and I'm going to share a little bit about that meeting in a moment. But every time I meet with him, I'm challenged in my faith. I'm challenged to grow as a follower of Christ. I'm challenged to grow as a pastor and as a father and as a leader. But I always walk away being challenged, but, but feeling encouraged to continue to follow after Jesus Christ. So I believe every Christian should have someone to follow. If we have people in our lives that are farther along who are willing to, and here's the word, disciple us, someone who's willing to pour into our lives, then that's going to help us to continue to grow and to press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But I want you to look at that verse because there's something else. Paul doesn't say, brothers, join in just imitating me. Notice the last part of verse 17. He says, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. The idea here is discipleship because not only should every Christian have someone that they should follow, but I believe that every Christian should be someone 
who is, excuse me, every Christian should be an example for someone else to follow. Paul doesn't just say to imitate him, he says, but also imitate others or follow others who are following the example that you have seen in us. You'll remember from our earlier study in Philippians that Paul is under house arrest in, in Rome. And so he's writing to these believers and he, he refers to his absence, that they should continue growing and fulfilling the Great Commission even in his absence. And so Paul is not in front of them in this moment to imitate and to follow, but he says, look for those around you who you can follow as well. And that's because every believer should have someone that they should follow, but every believer should also be an example for others to follow as well. We're not any of us where we want to be, but we are farther along than we used to be. And all of us should ask God, Lord, help me to be an example not only give me a godly example to follow, but Lord, help me to be that kind of example for others to follow. I want you to just pause for a moment and really consider this question. What would my church look like if every Christian was just like me? If, if every member of, of our church or your church, if you're not a part of Village Park or you're joining us from somewhere else, if every member of your church was exactly like you, what would your church look like? I mean, could you say to your kids, follow me? Could you say to your neighbors, follow me, follow my example? Could you say that to your coworkers? Hey, look, I want, I want to encourage you to imitate me. Could you say that to those that you are leading? Hey, listen, imitate me or follow after me. The idea here, I don't want to miss this. Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers and he gave us some insight into this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In other words, we should encourage people to follow us if we are following after Jesus. We should encourage people to imitate us, but only as we are imitating Jesus Christ. And far too often can we be honest here. I, I worry about that I'm not always the example that I should follow. Is anyone else out there with me? You feel like, man, I, I wouldn't be able to say that of every area of my life. Imitate me. In fact, we want to avoid being the types of people that Paul describes in the next verses in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I recently was listening to a debate between a Christian and a very famous atheist, and he, uh, one of the questions that the moderator asked was about his, the atheist, he asked him about his faith. Was there ever a time in your life where you did have faith? And he began to share his story, and I'll paraphrase what he said, but what he said was, I learned as a kid that faith wasn't real, because my parents sent me to church, but they didn't want to go with me. They didn't go with me. And, and as a child, that left an incredible impression on him that if faith is so real and God is so real, why are you sending me to church, but you in your life are not truly following after Jesus? I think too often that many of us as believers, we would tell people not imitate me. We would say, well, don't do as I do, do as I say. We wouldn't be able to say, honestly, like, follow me. I'm setting the right example. We would say, well, well, that's what you should follow. And so really follow after that. But Paul says this. He says, imitate me and mark those 
that you have as an, that are following the example of Paul and living that authentic Christian life. And so Paul says, if you want to keep pressing on, you need to find someone to follow. But in that challenge, we need to be someone for someone else to follow. We need to be an example for someone who's a little further back in their faith. Maybe they're a new Christian. We need to be someone that's setting an example for them. And maybe you feel like you've stepped back. And maybe you're not the example that, that you would say, yeah, follow me. Well, here's the good news. God can change you as you surrender to him. All you must simply do is repent of that sin and your lack of trust and not following God and begin today and take that step to follow him. And God can change you and use you as you begin to pursue Christ. And I think a key phrase to remember is what we find at the end of verse 19. In, for those that are enemies of the cross of Christ, who are more interested in self and not setting the right example, he said their minds are set on earthly things. Instead of having our minds set on earthly things, we are called as believers to set our minds on Jesus Christ. In fact, I just want to take a moment and ask you to do this in the comments or, or maybe on your notes or wherever you'd want to put it. I want you to just write this prayer. Lord, make me more like Jesus so I can be an example for others to follow. Is that a prayer that you would pray? Lord, make me more like Jesus so that I can be an example for others to follow. We'd love to pray that with you and to pray with you today that no matter where you are, no matter how many steps you've taken back, today you can turn around and begin to press forward and press on toward that mark. Find someone who is living a godly life and don't make them an idol, but follow them as they follow Jesus. And then as you follow Jesus, you'll set the example for others to follow. Maybe your kids are not walking after Christ, but they haven't been walking after Christ because they haven't seen the right example in you. Today, I want to encourage you and challenge you to become that example for someone else to follow. In the next few verses, Paul gives us another way, another help as we press on. It's not just to find someone to follow. Notice in verse 20 what he says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. There's a second way, a second help that Paul gives us as we press on and that is to know where we're going. I shared that story earlier about my friend that just kept having to say, keep going. And the reason was because back in that time, we didn't have GPS. You couldn't get a GPS on a pager. That's all I had. The only way you could communicate on a pager was to type 01134 and turn it upside down. And that was hello. You remember those days. But I remember uh, on GPS, with the GPS now, you, you're going on a trip and then you set your destination. And maybe, maybe you felt this way before. Uh, you search along the route. You're going to a certain place and then you, you search for a place to eat or maybe something else. Or you see a billboard and you think, man, I wonder, could we, could we make a quick detour and go see that? And, and before you know it, if you're like me, I'll, I'll be searching for some food or maybe get distracted by a billboard and I want to look for that place. And, and then before you know it, I've messed up somewhere along the way and I've, I've taken the GPS off the route and now I'm no longer moving toward my destination. But Paul, in these verses, sets kind of the GPS coordinates for us. He reminds us that you're headed to a place, that you're headed to a person, and you're headed toward a promise. 
You're headed to the place in verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. And in verse 20, you also see that we're headed toward a person and that person is Jesus Christ. And you're headed toward a promise in verse 21 that this, this mortal body will put on immortality. Our failures in this flawed and broken world will be made new. I've had the opportunity uh, through various ways to travel to different countries, through mission trips especially. And it's always intimidating when you're going to another country. Uh, you, you get off the plane and then you go through customs. And you walk up to the booth, you've got your passport that tells, you, tells them you're an American citizen. And you hand them the passport and then they begin to ask you questions. And oftentimes it's in a, their language and so you don't understand. And it feels so intimidating while you're there because even though you know you're innocent of anything, you're saying, oh my goodness, at any moment these people you know, might arrest me. It just, there's this discomfort that I feel. And then you get inside and or you get past that and then you get into the country and things are, some things are similar, but things are very different. You just don't feel at home in that place. And what Paul reminds us of in verse 20 is that we are foreigners on this soil. We are living in this world and the world that we live in is foreign soil to us. We are citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, we're not to be worried about our rights. We're not to be worried about having things done our way. Our job as citizens of the kingdom of heaven is to do the will of the king. The reality is, is that we should feel uncomfortable in this world that our citizenship is in heaven, that that is our calling, that's our place where we will see Jesus and our, our bodies will be changed into that glorified state. Paul reminds us we shouldn't feel comfortable in this world because we're citizens of heaven. And that's because we're headed to a place, but we're also headed toward a person. And from it, he says, we look or wait for a savior. One of the questions that I've been asked just by people through text and through conversations is, you know, is what we're going through right now a sign of the end of the times? And I've just, I've, I'll tell you this, that we've been in the last days since Jesus ascended. And I believe that Jesus could return at any moment. In fact, the Bible tells us that creation is moving toward and groaning for the redemption that comes when Jesus returns. And I would say that if what we're going through right now gets us closer to that, I'm ready to be with Jesus. One of the, the best parts of coming home from a foreign country is knowing that I'm, I'm going to be in the right place where I feel at home, where, where my wife is going to be and my kids are waiting for me here. You see, heaven is not just a place that we long for, but heaven is the place where a person we long for lives. And that person, of course, is Jesus. Let me just say this, that not every person listening today is a citizen of heaven. Yeah, I hear people say all the time that we're all children of God, but that's just not the truth. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And on that day, the day of his return or that day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, these people that even said that Jesus was their Lord and even claimed to do things in the name of God, Jesus said, on that day, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Citizenship in heaven is only for those who have placed their faith in what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. 
And I believe that if, if you've never made that decision in your heart, you are not a citizen of heaven. You are exactly what Paul describes in verses 18 and 19. You are enemies of the cross of Christ. Romans chapter 5 makes that clear that anyone who's not a believer in Christ is dead in their sins, is an enemy of God, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And if you in your heart have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, I'm telling you that today is the day that you can take a step in that direction. You can in your heart place your faith in what Jesus did for you. And if that's you, maybe today is the day that you're placing your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior or maybe you're not sure if you're a citizen of heaven because you never in your heart place your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Will you just take a moment and write in the, in the comments, I want to know him. Just write that, I want to know him. And if you're not comfortable doing it in the comments, just send us a message through the Village Park Facebook page. Just say, I want to know him. I want to know more about Jesus because citizenship in heaven is for those who have placed their faith in what Jesus Christ did for us. Oftentimes when I do funerals, I read the same passage when we're at the graveside because it is my favorite description of heaven in all of the Bible. It's when Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 that he was going away and that if he went away, he'd prepare a place for his disciples. And he said, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, Paul reminds us that we're all headed to a place as children of God, that place is heaven, but heaven is the presence of God. Heaven is a person. You're headed to a person and you're headed to a promise. And that promise is found in what Paul wrote in verse 21. Jesus will transform our lowly body to be more like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That one day you will be loosed of this world and this body. And we will forever be in the presence of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said that creation is longing for the redemption, longing for the return of Jesus Christ. And everything within us right now is telling us this world of brokenness and sin and trouble and death and suffering, this is not the way that it should be. And that's because we're made in the image of God who is the giver and the sustainer of life. We were created to live and not die and yet creation is groaning because sin entered the world and death has come as a result of sin. And so our bodies are deteriorating. But when we are in the presence of God, this lowly body will be made into a glorious body by the power of Jesus Christ, the one who can sustain and subject all things to himself. Just this last week, I had the uh, unfortunate opportunity to spend some time with some friends and family gathered around a lady named Mary Jo Bridgewater who had passed away. Just a precious saint of God. She was, a few weeks ago, I mentioned the nursery worker who watched uh, my son Luke, and she was that person. She recently passed away. And it's always so sad to me to go to memorial services because it's a reminder of how temporary this life is, but that suffering and death has entered this world. But Paul makes a promise and that promise is not held by Paul's word, but by Jesus, who subjects all things to himself, that there's coming a day when we will all be released from this place. And so we need to remember where we're going. That's the second help. First, find an example to follow. The second help is to know where you're going. 
that we're headed to a place, we're headed to a person, and we're headed to a promise. Isn't that good news today? The third help, I'll close with this, is in chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. The third help is to stand firm in the Lord. Know that we're headed to a place, knowing that we're headed to a person, knowing that we're headed toward that promise of redemption. Stand firm. I think that sometimes the best way forward is to simply stand firm in Jesus Christ. When everything around us is crumbling and falling apart, we know that we're headed to a place, we're headed to the person of Jesus, and we're headed to that promise that redemption is coming. I shared with you earlier that I met with my friend and mentor, John Gross. And while we were there, he, he shared a story with me I'd like to share with you. He grew up with a young man named Horace, was his neighbor. He met him when he was three years old, and they were just the best of friends through high school. And then after high school, they kind of lost uh, sight and lost touch with each other, would kind of keep in contact. But every time they would see each other, Horace would call uh, Pastor John, he would call him Pastor or Reverend Butch. That's what, that's what he called him. Butch was his nickname. So John went on to uh, found uh, uh, Park North, uh, excuse me, North Park Baptist Church, which is now Grand Oaks Church. And he was uh, there for over 30 years and served so faithfully. And his friend Horace went on to a very successful career in real estate. So my friend John was in Hawaii and he got a call from Horace. And he told him, he said, Butch, I've got cancer. Will you come see me? And John told him, he said, I, I will. As soon as I get back, I will come see you. And that's exactly what he did. So he went in and he saw his friend Horace and, and they kind of ex exchanged, you know, just hellos and kind of caught up for a second. And then Horace said something to John. And as John was telling me this story, I was so gripped by what he said. He said, he said, Butch, I've been watching you for 65 years. How do you have peace? How do you have the peace that you have? And so John took his Bible and he began in the book of Genesis where God created us in his image and explained to him that, that sin entered the world and death and suffering came as a result of sin. And he just told the story of Jesus and he led up to Jesus, Jesus being the fulfillment of all the Old Testament and Jesus dying on the cross and being buried and rising, in the, rising again to thir the third day to overcome sin and death. And he shared with Horace the story of Jesus and he told him, that's where I get peace, Horace. That's, that's where I get it from. And Horace told him, he said, well, that's a nice story. I appreciate you sharing it. And then he welcomed John to leave. Well, just a, a few days later, John received a call from Horace and he said, Reverend Butch, he called him Reverend Butch this time. Um, he said, after you left, my wife and I laid in our bed that night. And he said, I stretched my hands up toward God and I cried out to him to save me. And he said, I received him. And then he said this, he said, and John, I got it. I got peace. And five days later, Horace passed away. And then Horace's wife asked John if he would preach the memorial service for Horace. And John was able to share with everyone in attendance that Horace was headed toward that place. And he was headed toward that person. And he was headed toward that promise that his lowly body had been released from all of its sin and suffering. Not because Horace was a successful businessman or because he was a good person, but because Horace's citizenship was in heaven. He had placed his faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. And what a glorious story of God's salvation. 
But the reason John was sharing that story with me was because of what Horace said to him when he said, for 65 years I've been watching you. You see, to continue pressing on, all of us need someone to follow. We need to look for someone who will be a guide and a discipler, a mentor for us. But we need to keep going also by knowing where we're going, that we're headed toward a place, we're headed toward a person, and we're headed toward a promise of redemption. And then we keep going forward by standing firm in the Lord, trusting him every step of the way. Will you pray with me? I'd like to pray with you about that today. Father, we come to you in the, in the blessed and precious name of Jesus, and we thank you for the hope that we have in him. We thank you, Lord, for those that are in Christ. They are headed toward a place, they are headed toward a person, and they are headed toward that promise of redemption. And Lord, our hearts long for that day. But while we're here, Lord, our prayer is that you would give us other Christians that will disciple us, that will help us and encourage us in our journey, examples for us to follow. But at the same time, Lord, you'll be changing us and conforming us to be an example for others to follow. Help us to be more and more like Jesus so that we can be an example for other people. And help us, Lord, remind us that our citizenship is not here, that where we are at home is in the presence of Jesus. And Lord, give us a longing in our hearts to live our lives here in light of that reality and to stand firm in you that when everything around us seems to be falling apart, that we would trust completely and totally in you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.